Well, perhaps your New Year commitments uh, had to run down the lines of food. Uh, something connected with that. It's a pretty good chance on any uh, given uh, near that that could be the case. Um, you know, it's interesting about food. Uh, there is a, a doctor um, who was talking about this, and he just mentioned that the food that we eat is actually information that we give our body. I don't know if you ever looked at it like that, but that is exactly the case of what it is, uh, that it is information that we give our body. So every time we, we pick up a fork and put some food in it, it is telling ourselves how to generate from the energy source we've given it in food. And so if you want your body to do a certain thing, well, you give it that information code. Uh, that's an interesting way of, of looking at it. And so, uh, you know, if you want your body to be larger and softer, uh, well, you give it the information of sugar. You know, it'll, it'll do its trick. Um, you know, and so if you want to uh, have it repair itself, then you've got to give it certain vegetables and certain vitamins. Uh, you have to get sleep. Um, you have to exercise. And, and so this is just part of uh, how God has made us physically, that it takes information we give it. We choose it, whether to sleep, whether to exercise, what foods to eat, and it responds accordingly. Uh, so for the most part, we have really no one else to blame uh, for our bodies. Uh, because we're the ones choosing the information to give it. Uh, but have you thought about how that works spiritually in our life? Uh, how do we grow in our spirit? Well, it's going to be very much the same way. What information do we give our spirit, our brain, our hearts, our minds to think on these things and to grow on certain things? And so last week we started to uh, look at these reflective questions uh, just as we start thinking about our spiritual direction and where we are, uh, to ask ourselves these questions to, uh, well, to kind of give us some kind of barometer, reflection of, of who we are and who we want to be. And so the five questions simply are, uh, are you in love with Jesus? Are you grateful for the cross? Are you excited about the new creation? Are you committed to God's people, and are you pursuing growth and godliness? We looked at these questions, and we saw how they were reflected, especially in the church in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 9 and 10, is a prayer that we looked at and focused on as we head into the Advent series, and, and we talked about how it's just a wonderful prayer, a set of goals, life goals for us spiritually in our life as we read about this these powerful uh, qualities of saying, let's, let's be the type of people who are walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. I want that to be my life goal. I want it to be our church's life goal that these uh, characteristics become ours. But it's fascinating when we read this prayer, verse 9 gives us the key. How... How do we become people who walk in a way worthy of the Lord? How do we become people who are fully pleasing to God? How do we become people who are bearing fruit in every good work? How do we become people who are growing 
in the knowledge of God. Well, verse 9 is the key. You see that? Notice what, how it's phrased. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So as to walk in a way fully pleasing to him, so as to walk bearing fruit in every good work, so as to increase in the knowledge of God. So according to, if you read the grammar of that, what's the cause? Well, to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Produces this walking in a way that's worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit, being pleasing to him. So the key is to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. What is, no one talks like that anymore. What, is, what does that mean to be filled with the knowledge of God? Well, to be filled, uh, I've talked about this some time ago, is to say that you are controlled by God's will. You are compelled by God's will. You are content. You hear the word filled, and it brings out this imagery of, of being content with God's will. I don't need another helping because I'm filled. I'm content with God's will for my life, and that is directing me in my life. I remember my grandfather praying for me uh, growing up, and he would always pray for me that I would know and do God's will. And he would emphasize to me by his words that the most important thing that you could ever do is to know God's will. And so uh, as I grew into my teens, one of the questions that came to my mind is, if it's so important, how do I know God's will? And that became a, a pursuit of mine. How can I know what God wants for me? And so what I like to do this morning is take that understanding the importance of, of knowing God's will, and let's see what does Scripture say about how we can know God's will. So if you will, this is going to be the, uh, the food diet, all right? The spiritual pyramid uh, of your own intake in your life, okay? Your vitamins uh, to help you in your walk. And so as we look at the new year, uh, these are some uh, uh, characteristics that we're going to pray for, and we're going to seek, and we're going to pursue if we want to be this type of person. And so, uh, with that in mind, I'm just going to take you through various passages in the Scriptures that talk about how we can know God's will. And the first thing I would want you to understand, that we cannot walk in God's will without the Holy Spirit. All right. So the Holy Spirit is how God works in our life. And so, if we want to know God's will, if we want to bear good fruit, if we want to walk in a manner of pleasing Him... The Holy Spirit is a vital part of that walk. Uh, he has been given to us to help us realize what Jesus has accomplished for us at Father's command. All right? So, salvation was directed by God the Father, decreed by God the Father, provided for by God the Son, and enabled in your life by God the Spirit. All right? So all three together are working to help you become like Christ. All right? So in all these characteristics, these actions that we're going to do, the Holy Spirit is a critical component of that. And the Holy Spirit essentially is showing us Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus promised that when he left, another comforter will come 
and he will show us truth and convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. Uh, and so he would say that he would guide the, those who come after him in all truth. And so that's the role of the Holy Spirit working in our life. So, first vitamin to help us become this type of person is that we must see the Holy Spirit working in Bible reading. The Holy Spirit working in Bible reading. Remember, the key here is knowledge of God's will. How has God revealed himself? John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was the beginning with God. And then goes on, in that same chapter says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so Jesus is the revelation of all that God wants us to know about himself and walking with him. So it's interesting, when we hear what Jesus has to say about Scripture, uh, it helps us to understand the importance of reading the Bible in our life today. In fact, John chapter 5, verse 39 through 40, Jesus was dealing with some critics, some people who were trying to undermine him. And he said to them, you search the Scriptures, for in them, because you think that in them you have eternal life. Now, we would normally agree with that, right? Well, we read the Bible because it gives us the eternal life. But notice what he says, because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. You know what Jesus is bringing out? If you are reading the scriptures, reading the word of God, memorizing the word of God, meditating on the word of God, studying the word of God, but you're not using it to get to Jesus, then you've missed the point of Bible reading. In fact, it was the criticism that Jesus gave to the religious leaders of the day, and because they weren't searching for Jesus, they hated Jesus. But they could memorize to you the first Five could quote to you the first five books of the Old Testament. I mean, they've memorized Leviticus. <laughs> you know? So, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they had that memorized, but they didn't use it to get to Jesus. And Jesus is saying the whole point of the Scriptures is they witness of me. So, when you have the Bible and you read the Word of God, we believe that the Spirit of God is working and will reveal Jesus through the Scriptures. You pray. God, I'm, I'm about to read your word, but I want to seek your Son. Will you show me who you are as I read the Scripture? When you read the Bible, there are about four questions you need to always ask yourself to help you glean from the Word of God and to walk with Jesus. The first question you need to ask yourself, and these aren't going to be up, so you have to listen carefully. The first question you need to ask yourself is, what does this tell me about who God is? What I, and I'm reading, what does this tell me about who God is? All right, so there's the, the vertical. One pointing up, one pointing down. What does this tell me about mankind? What does this verse tell me about who I am? All right, so that's the, your vertical. Who God is, who I am. Then let's look at the horizontal. Does this scripture bring to me a sin I need to confess and repent of? All right, so that's one way. And the other way is, does this present to me an example I need to follow 
our command I need to obey? Those four questions will help you get out the Word of God and to learn to walk with Jesus. So if the point of Scripture reading is to know a lot about the Bible, you've messed up. I know some of you are doing the, the Bible reading plans in the year, and it's a good I encourage you to do it. But if your goal is simply that you can know what all the Bible says, that's not the point. But if your goal is, I want to know all of what God has revealed to him, to uh, me about Jesus, I want to know Jesus, now you're going somewhere. All right, so let's not duplicate what the Pharisees were doing and the religious leaders of Paul of Jesus' day. And so let's understand that Scripture is working in our life to show us Jesus. I would encourage you. You're praying that you be filled with the knowledge of God's will. He will reveal His will through the Word of God. I remember when I wanted to go to college, I was thinking, God, can you just tell me which college to go to? And I just wanted that specific question answered. And my Sunday school teachers were telling me, well, it doesn't quite work that way. I was like, well, why not? I mean, I've got to make that decision. And they said, it's more of a lifestyle of being who God wants you to be. If you be who God wants you to be, then the decisions are going to fall in line. And as I sought the Lord that year, my, my, my junior, senior year, and I realized I wanted to be who God wanted me, it, it started changing my desires. And, and I was looking between two colleges, and one of them was being driven by, I want to be a gospel witness to this school because I know that in this school there's going to be much more people that are not followers of Jesus Christ. And it's the key component in time of their life where they can have perhaps maybe one more opportunity to hear God and, and hear His Word. And I want to go there as a witness. And it's interesting to me how God gave me new desires as a salt God that led me in a way to pick a school. And so God works in more general ways of who you are to be as you seek out God, and decisions fall in line with who you are in Christ. So the Holy Spirit's working in Bible reading. The second way that you will see that the God's knowledge of His will can be revealed in your life is through prayer. The Holy Spirit working in prayer. Luke chapter 11 was a, a very poignant passage that speaks to this. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and give, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. So we know this as the model prayer. Um, now we know Jesus prayed many times and he didn't always use these words and sometimes he prayed for nights, hours on end. So what I was saying to you and what Jesus is saying to you is not that you have to pray these specific words over and over and over again, but the pattern of them, the pattern of them. And then he goes on and tells these interesting stories that relate to prayer. And he says, he said to him, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, let me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me. 
The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not give up, get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impotence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So who is God in that story? <laughs> in that story, it's the neighbor that doesn't want to get out of bed. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Only Jesus can get away with that. I uh, said, so, well, God is the guy that's, he just doesn't want to get out of bed, but because you keep asking him, he'll do it. I think he tells you another story. We're like, well, maybe there's a better story here, Jesus. It's something that makes God look a little bit more flattering here. Well, notice what he says then. As you read, he says, What father among you, if his, un, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So now, God the Father is being compared to the evil dad. He says, even, even if a dad who is selfish and not perfect still won't give a scorpion to the child, will give him a good gift, how much more will God the Father give? Notice what He gives. God the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Isn't it interesting that Jesus says that? It's not that you just need to be delivered from whatever it is you're dealing with that you're praying about, but what you need is the Holy Spirit to walk with you in that time. So the greatest need and the greatest gift that God the Father gives us is not bread. That every day you have to wake up and you don't have to fix breakfast. You just go out and get some bread. Bring it in. That's not the greatest gift. He's already gone down that road. And Jesus said, you know, it's not by bread alone that we live. But by every word that proceeds out of the Father. What we need is not just money that appears in a wallet every time we open it up to put it, give some out. Wouldn't that be kind of neat? But that's not what our greatest need is. The greatest need is a Spirit of God to walk within us that helps us to know what to do with the money, not to destroy us, but to bring glory to God and love to others. And so, as you walk your life, you want to know the knowledge of God's will and be filled by His will. It will involve you praying in the Spirit. So the physical things we do have spiritual implications. Just like eating that egg salad will do something to your body. Well, what you do with your time will do something to your spirit. Let me share with you the third way, a third vitamin that will help us to be controlled by God's will. Jesus himself gave it to us. He says, when you meet together, I want you to do this. And that's the Lord's Supper. As often as you eat and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until He comes. I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And so Jesus has asked us not just to share the Bible and share the Word of God, but to actually eat something. Because in the symbolic act, the physical working of this, it is visible words. All right? 
Visible words is what has, how it's been described uh, to say that when I eat this bread that's broken, given to us, and I drink from this wine that's being poured out, this is the blood shed for us, this is my body which is given, I want you to eat it, let it be part of you, let it be uh, consumed by you, let it nourish you. And often as you do this, you share the Lord's death until he comes. Do this in remembrance of me. And so he's asked us to remember him on the cross. Remember his sacrifice for us. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. When he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and so you're constantly be reminding with one another jesus died for you and he's coming again and he is with me and we are one together i eat this bread i drink this cup we become one it's just something jesus has asked us to do very specific and so easy way for us to know are we being obedient to him but there's lessons to be learned if done correctly it helps nourish us spiritually as a church together. And so, you want to know God's will? It is to constantly see Jesus dying on the cross for you. Constantly being remembered with one another that he's coming back for us. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. Uh, just pause there for a second. Who is the Spirit of God? The Lord, God, Jesus, together as one. And I think the danger we have is sometimes we find the Spirit of God easy to dismiss. Well, that was just a crazy thought. Well, that, Pastor, that's just an unrealistic idea you've got there. Or that is too much. And we see it as just a thought that belongs to us, so consequently we can dismiss it. You need to pause for a little bit and realize that when the Spirit of God is speaking to you, it's God talking to us. You ever thought, how is it the disciples could be so dismissive of Jesus sometimes? <laughs> really, Peter, could you deny Jesus three times? Curse his name. Or ever you thought about how it is that the people of Israel could know God's word and yet turn from him time and time and time again as you read that in, in, in uh, Judges and all the Old Testament. Listen, God the Father was rejected in the Old Testament. God the Son is being rejected in the Gospels. But I'm going to tell you that God the Spirit is being rejected in the church age today. He is the Spirit that is working in us. And that's why it's important for us when we get together and we pray, and we sing, and we celebrate communion together. This is not just another thing on your calendar that you can dismiss and say it's not really important. There are some things that God has given to us and blessed us, given to us by the Spirit of God. And it is simply a matter of obeying God. Lord's Supper is one of those. But as we do this and 
partake in it, God is nourishing us to be filled by His will, to be controlled by His will. We keep on reading. Let me share with you another vitamin. That is, we can grow as we see the Holy Spirit working in our church community. In our church community. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 through 17 is, is very specific about ways we are to interact with one another. And it's all premised on this idea that if we are raised with Christ, if the Spirit of Christ is working in us and we know His power, then it's going to have certain results in our life. And we're going to see this in verse 5. There's certain things that are cast away. And what I want you to note, as we look at the negative, look at the bad things, and then we're going to look at the positive things, especially in verse 11 and following. I want you to ask this question. How many of these things can only be done with another person? All right. How many of these vices, how many of these values, these virtues can only be done if you're with someone else? So verse uh, 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So how many of these... Involves someone else. In these you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off all the old self with its practices. So it tells me when you get to be a part of a small group, when you get to be a part of a church, you will be tempted in all of these bad ways. Church, And small groups can be a place where you're tempted to have anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, and lying to one another. It can be a place where you're tempted in sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness. But that's not to be who we are. Christ is making us into something else, into someone else. So what is it that he's making us? Well, let's look at uh, especially verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Now listen, how many of these virtues can you do by yourself? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. How many of those can you do if you're all by yourself? Can you teach one another? Can you sing psalms to one another? Can you... Uh, practice patience with one another can you forgive one another can you love one another can you have the peace of christ rule in the hearts as one body if you're not with that body you see many of the commands of jesus christ are based on this idea that you're with one another why is that important because when i see someone who forgives me 
who's gracious toward me, who's patience toward me, who is compassion-hearted and kind toward me, who lets the peace of Christ rule in the hearts when I'm making it difficult. When I see someone singing psalms to me, words of truth, and they're doing it with joy and delight, I'm seeing Jesus. I'm seeing Christ. When I have someone give me a holy hug. Y'all know there's some folks, their life is such, church is the only place to get any kind of affection. I'm seeing Christ. And I just want to present to you that you can't really see Christ just by sitting in a pew. You can see glimpses, but it's by really living with them, interacting with them, getting to know them, praying for them, having them pray for you, and yes, being flat out offended by them. Why is that needed? Because I need the challenge in my life to forgive someone. I need to love them as Christ loves them. And I have to depend on Christ to have that happen. Anybody can love nice, kind, sweet people. But if you want to love like Christ, you're going to have to learn to love a Judas. And the thing is, you'll find them. (laughs) They'll find you. That's church. It's how we get to know Christ. So how's, what's the metaphor for the church? The body of Christ. We forget that? We always want to say, well, I just want to seek God's will, and I don't really care about the church then. We're just being contrary to what he has already revealed to us. And it's got the warts, it's got the things to not like. But don't run away so fast that you don't see Christ. You have to look through the thorns to see the king. And so, in the church community, the Spirit of God is working. Be committed to the spiritual health of other people. That's what a church is. The question isn't so much, are you spiritually healthy? Is your church spiritually healthy? Are you committed to the health of the people? That's one of the reasons why I'm asking you. Sing. It's not about you. The person next to you needs to hear someone sing truth with joy and rejoicing in their heart. It's not about whether you feel like it or whether you like that song. Friends, that's the thoughts of hell. We're called to a heavenly kingdom. Where we're concerned about one another. We sing because others need to hear us sing truth. Being committed to one another. Praying for them. That's what the church is to be. And then let me share with you another vitamin. You want to know the will of God? 
How has God revealed his will? He's revealing it through his written word. He's revealing it as we pray with the spirit of God. He's revealing it through the church community. He's revealing it through the Lord's Supper. He's declaring the Lord's death. We're seeing Christ. The spirit of God is helping us see Christ. I never did finish that thought of 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 18. You read that on your own. Uh, But the point of it is, is that the spirit of God is showing us who Jesus is. And as we see the glory of Christ, we become like him, being transformed. But Psalm 19 talks about creation, how we can see who God is in creation and re- revealing himself. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiworks. Day to day pours out speech and night and tonight show forth knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice is going out throughout all the earth and the words to the end of the earth. In them has he set a tabernacle for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs his course uh, with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuits to the end of them. There is nothing hid from its heat. He's talking about nature. Bring these metaphors of the sun being like a bridegroom. And you read in the Bible that God is being compared to the bridegroom, and Jesus is compared to the bridegroom, and all these are making connections with Jesus. And so when I see a sunset... And I see a sunrise, it reminds me the sun is up again and brings me the warmth and things by which we need to live. So too Jesus is ever present in my life. And his beauty never comes to an end. Have you ever said to yourself, you know what, I've seen enough sunsets in my life. I mean, that last sunset just wowed me of beauty. I'm good. I don't need to need another beautiful sunset in my life. We don't think that, do we? God has made us. For his beauty. And so the things that are God-given, we never have enough. We never get sick of. And so these things just point to us through who Jesus is. When we see the sunrises and the sunsets, that in his nature, it's interesting when you read what Scripture has to say about himself. Whether it's a snowflake's intricacy, a lightning bolt's power, a cell, a human cell's complexity. The beauty of the sunrises and the mountain scenes. Each of us tell us about our maker and certain characteristics of him. In fact, the triune God has painted himself in the masterpiece of creation. He's made lightning to remind us. Listen, according to Luke chapter 17, verse 24, lightning reminds us of the sudden, powerful return of Christ. Luke 17, verse 24. When we see snow, maybe someday we'll get to see snow, it reminds us of what he does with our sin. According to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, Come, let us reason together. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. We read scripture. It tells us that fire is given to us to remind us about the power and purity and warmth of His Holy Spirit. When you want to gather around on a cold or a night, the fire, the warmth of the Holy Spirit in our life. We see that in Exodus chapter 19, verse 18, and Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. When we see rocks, it, it reminds us and helps us to understand the stability of God. That he is our rock. 
See, these are just things given to us in Scripture that everywhere in creation, He is showing Himself. And so when we look at creation, we look at it through the lens of the Holy Spirit. Say, God, bring to me who you are. Let me be filled with the knowledge of your will. Let me be controlled by what you're revealing about yourself. But let me share with you one other vitamin. This is not going to be on your most favorite list. But one other vitamin to help us to be filled with the knowledge of his will. We've got creation, your church community, we've got Lord's Supper, prayer, and the Bible, time of reading. But one we don't want to think about is suffering. Suffering is another vitamin to help us know his will. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 7 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that, there's that phrase again, why do these various trials exist? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God uses suffering to help us grow spiritually. So when we look at what makes a healthy Christian, it's not necessarily the healthy body. It may be the unhealthy body that God is using to teach us more of himself. So here's your vitamins. Take daily. With the Holy Spirit help, we can be that church, that people, who is growing in a manner worthy of Him, who we can be a church that is fully pleasing to God. We can be a people that can bear fruit in every good work. We can be a people who are increasing in knowledge of God, but it happens if and only if we are being filled by the knowledge of His will. And that can happen through our Bible reading and our prayer and our Lord's Supper in our church body, in creation, in suffering. If the Holy Spirit is working in our heart and life. So why don't we just pray together in our closing invitation. God alone knows our year. But to say to God, whatever comes, God. Just as long as I know your will. God, let your will be done by your spirit for God's glory alone. And that's key. Alone. God's will by his spirit for his glory. Let's pray.